Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Wellness Wednesday Inspiration. My name is Fernanda, and I am here with Dr. Linda Marquez for another episode of uh, goodness. We're going to bring you a lot of information today. We have a wonderful, wonderful guest, Judy Herman. Dr. Linda is going to share a little bit more about Judy with all of you. And the topic for today is imposter syndrome and staying true to yourself. And I know uh, at least I can speak about myself. I've dealt with um, both actually in, in imposter syndrome and perhaps sometimes not feeling like I can stay true with to myself because of pleasing others and circumstances that kind of come up in life. So I'm super excited to learn from uh, Judy. We've actually been in a program together. I admire her very much. She has a book that we'll be telling you a little bit about as well. So, um, and of course, Dr. Linda's back. Uh, I'm super excited also to hear how last week went. Dr. Linda, how are you? Hi, I'm doing amazing. It's Wednesday and I sure missed everybody last week, but it was just probably one of the life, the most life-changing days of my, or week of my, mm -hmm. my entire year or life, I should say. It was pretty powerful, but I'm excited to be here and such a uh, amazing relevant topic that probably 70% of the people do experience. And the interesting thing is um, it's mostly women. So I'm, I can't wait to uh, just dig in with this with Judy. She's an author. Well, properly, Judy Herman. She's an she's an author. She's a counselor. She works with a lot of mental therapists, and you know those who are really looking like really digging in, looking for in their soul what are they supposed to be doing in their lives. You know how are they supposed to show up, help others? And she also has um, she's a speaker as well. She's an author, which. I think you you have the book there with you beyond messy relationships divine um invitation to your authentic self so i think that's going to be a very relevant book and helpful for many people because i know like you were saying in the introduction um fernanda we all can relate to that and you know we'll let her just explain to us exactly what imposter syndrome is because syndrome and diseases definitely are two different uh you know they're totally two different things however um, a lot of times they're used um, interchangeably but we're going to get into that she's also a national certified counselor she's been like awarded with so many different awards there in in tennessee um, i actually lived in tennessee for a few years so love tennessee awesome awesome that's outside of um, nashville but um yeah, so excited to have her and um, let's bring her on so that she can share a little bit about her and let's dig into the topic because I'm ready. I am ready. Hello, Judy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Fernanda and Dr. Linda. I so appreciate the two of you. By the way, I am licensed in Georgia too since COVID. I had my office in Chattanooga and I decided to do outdoor counseling and virtual. So I'm also licensed in Georgia, just FYI. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Judy, it's um, it's a pleasure having you in on today. I've been wanting to bring you on the show for uh, a while now because I heard your story during Power Voice. We're doing uh, actually two programs together, one with Les Brown and what, one with John. 
and your story is very powerful. So I would like to maybe start the show, if you can let the listeners know a little bit about you and actually also what inspired your book, which uh, to me it was one of probably one of the most powerful stories that I've heard in Power Voice. Oh my, well, thank you so much. It's not been an easy journey by any means. So I I grew up in a very conservative faith denomination and learned a whole lot of don'ts. You don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't do drugs, and you don't have premarital dancing. <laughs> well, I've learned over the years, I've, I've broken through, broke through a lot of things. I have a different perspective now that I am a mental health counselor and I've seen hundreds of clients, both individuals and couples, and they've really given me courage to show up in my vibrantly authentic self because it takes a lot of courage to come to counseling and work on your own stuff. But my story is such that I tried fitting myself. It was almost like I was this uh, square peg in a round hole trying to be the submissive wife. And I did raise four children in a in a troubled marriage. It wasn't always troubled in those 30 years of, of marriage to that first husband. And uh, but it was it was like what I've heard a term from Les Brown uh, phrase. It says you weren't living together you're dying together. Mm. And so the first marriage did end in divorce. I did remarry my dance partner and best friend who was also a mental health advocate. Oh, the only thing is, and he had, he had years of wellness from his bipolar disorder. And, but little did I know it was as severe as it was. And it showed up for the first time four and a half years into the marriage. It, I was almost a twice divorced widow or, or a widow then. And, uh, but I stayed in the marriage and, you know, praying that and hoping that things would get better and they seem to get better. And you go through these seasons, but it is a very severe mental illness and it, the, the marriage just could not survive. So the catalyst actually for me writing beyond messy relationships is is it was my husband's second episode right and and i'm really proud now that you know you've got you've got the book that doesn't have the seal on it the seal has the uh, author academy awards i wanted to share that with you because the, they got printed up in any way it does have an award with author academy awards and i'm very proud of it so that was my healing journey and here i am there's a whole lot more to the story but you know, it's kind of like you face your deepest, darkest fears. You face your deepest, darkest shame. And my journey has been that like leaning into those feelings that most of us would rather push down or would rather have a, you know, rather drink it away <laughs> or, or whatever, but just facing that and, and those becoming uh, truly for me, I'm, you know, divine invitations. I'm a woman mm -hmm. of faith and, and highly regard scripture, but there has been this just meeting God in the midst of that, that those dark places. And then there being some transformation and awakening. So that kind of is it in a nutshell. So yes, I haven't always been a mental health counselor, like raising the four kids was my first career. And, and then, then going into the mental health field, later it's basically a second career but it is um it's been very enlightening it's been quite a journey that's awesome especially as i think sometimes people can relate to you more when you've kind of gone through your own sort of 
dark night through the soul and, and the type of profession you're in with counselors, uh, a lot of people don't feel like they almost come in with a shame, like because I have something going on, I don't want another human being to know, to really know me because they're not going to like me. And that kind of just ties into, you know, what we're going to talk about today. And I thought you would be like the perfect person that can enlighten us in that because most people do feel like they're not living their true life the way they're supposed to because they're pleasing other people and, you know, going to speak like if I'm having an issue and I need to go speak to someone, it's just like, oh, my gosh, they're really going to find out who I am and they're not going to like me. So is that kind of similar to, you know, when you deal with, you know, clients, patients on a daily basis that you can maybe equivalent a little bit of that imposter syndrome with them? And can you even define that for us, what it is? Because there's a difference between a syndrome and a disease, just like they, they talk about chronic fatigue syndrome, but there's a lot of health professionals that don't even acknowledge that it's, it's a, you know, that it's a disease, but more of a sim syndrome, which is just a, a group of, um, of, of more like symptoms, you know, a person's tired, they wake up and they feel like they just want to sleep all day, they're gaining weight, they have no, you know, no, no excitement for life. And you may even see that kind of overlapping with some of the clients that you work with. Absolutely. So, so yes, imposter syndrome, it's kind of loosely defined as just, you know, doubting your abilities, like feeling that you're a fraud. Now, mm -hmm. keep in mind, it's not in the diagnosis of the, it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual mm -hmm. uh, that mental health professionals use. But think about it, the, the, the DSM, it's called the DSM, which is kind of the Bible that we as mental health professionals use. We look up our diagnosis and things, but it used to be a very thin document, you know, a thin book early on, but it's, so it's gone so, through so many, you know, um, revisions. And so who knows if this is going to be in there later, <laughs> but we do need to recognize it because as you said, Dr. Linda, I, I heard those stats somewhere about 70% of people, high achieving folks, they will experience, oh, if they only found out, if they only knew. For me, as it showed up, having my husband with bipolar disorder now, he was he was very open about his diagnosis and and he led bipolar support groups and he you know he he was very high high functioning man for so many years so people knew that i was married to a husband who had bipolar once with psychotic features now and and it, it was really it, it was almost like our marriage was like a model or he was a model of wellness. I mean, it was just. Amazing. So when he had his first psychotic episode and here, you know, yes, I, I kind of beat myself up a bit because I'm thinking here I'm a middle. How, how did I not see this? I, you know, I should know these signs. Well, I thought he was having the spiritual awakening. Well, he was out of tune with, with, with reality for a good six weeks. It just. I, I just, I, I, and then, then, you know, then you raise your level of awareness. Okay. So, and anyway, it's, yeah, it was hard because there were couples I was working with that were so much more functional than me and my husband were. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if they only found out, of course, and we deal with that imposter syndrome. But mm -hmm. So you know what busted through the imposter syndrome for me is writing my book. <laughs> mm. It's scary to write my book because honestly, I thought 
oh my gosh, if my clients read this, they're going to say, and, and why are we seeing her as our therapist? That it, it's, it really has been something that ha has given people hope because they, they see, oh, here she is and she's, she's a therapist and she's, she's not, you know, she's put together enough to be my counselor, I guess. I don't know. People like for you to be real. And I think we go through that, you know, at various stages in our lives, right? It's not like mm -hmm. we can reach them. You know, we can beat imposter syndrome at one stage and not face it in another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think being open about it, like you said, it's key, right? Because that's kind of just being open with who you are, what's going on in your life, how you really think, how you really feel. And and when you are open, I think people can see that people can feel that. I, I, I do believe that people can read energy, right? Absolutely. If, if someone's seeing you as their therapist and they feel in a sense that there is something, some like a wall or something, something that it's being hidden, then um, I, I don't think people may be able to be as open with you. But if they can relate with you and even reading the book and reading the story of your husband and identifying with that story uh, mm -hmm. creates that openness where people can relate to you. That's so true. Here's something else though that has come up and I will be, it's, it's been quite a traumatic year for me in 2020. And I know all of us in 2020 have gone through the, you know, the pandemic and losing loved ones, but the book had already been published. And so you read the end of the book and I do give acknowledgements to my second husband, who was really my biggest cheerleader. There's not a whole lot of men who could allow their wives to write these deep, dark secrets mm. or dark, dark places. But he was my biggest cheerleader. And and then he had, when he read the final manuscript and by the way, my my writing coach said, Judy, don't share any of your your writing with anybody that you live with, live under the same roof with, because that will influence, right? So, so I didn't let him read it, but at the end he did. And I was very concerned, well, this, will this break out another episode? And, but he read it through and it was a precious time. He was very, very supportive. And he said to me, said, Judy, you know, this, maybe this book will keep, maybe our story will keep me from getting sick again. Well, and since that time, he, uh, in 2020, he has had another psychosis and he has not come back. Mm -hmm. So you know, it, that has, then that was another thing that rose up. Oh my gosh, people are going to read this and they think that, you know, we're re doing this resilient growth dance, but no, that's not the case. I'm an uncoupled woman. I'm a divorced, second divorced woman right now. And mm -hmm. that was like something hard to even face this year, mm -hmm. right? This, these last few months mm -hmm. of, of, oh, you know, I'm, I, I've been trying to do relationships. I've been trying to make my marital relationships work all my life, a total of 40 years. And now I am an uncoupled woman and that's where I'm at. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of busting through my own imposter syndrome right now with you two ladies here. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for being so Open. just so yeah, just so transparent about it because a lot of people, like you said, they're afraid to like, well, what will this person think? And what will they think? And how's this going to affect my, you know, my practice, my business, my livelihood? 
And then we just start asking those questions and we start to turn on torment our own selves with just the conversations we're having in our head. And so many people will never live their life to the fullest capacity and live life in excellence because of those conversations that they're having in their head. So, you know, with you kind of go and we're all going through this to some degree, you know, it's just you're you're being open about it um and, and with your clients and with the book and and you know promoting your book and being on podcasts and so forth so thank you thank you very much for because that then allows us you know when they someone is educated and um, awarded as you you know if someone like you know judy is opening up to this then it allows for other people to kind of you know shine their light and say you know what I know how she feels. I'm glad that I'm, it's almost like I'm glad I'm not the only one going through this because it makes you feel like it's not, I wouldn't want to say it's normal, but it's common. Yes, absolutely. I, I do want to give hope to those who are living with a loved one who has very severe mental illness or any kind of mental mm -hmm. illness. And I do want to give hope to people who are struggling with mental illness. So, mm -hmm. You know, when you go through divorce and, you know, it's like, okay, you have all this, all this stuff, right? It's yeah. kind of like you, you re rewind your history a little bit and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what is this? But honestly, it's been a real blessing for me to have written the book when I did, because little did I know that, that all of us would be where we are. And I know that the, the time is is pretty ripe for us to as as a people as 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 a nation as a world to to zone into we've all gone through trauma we've all gone through loss and there's life on the other side there's mm -hmm. life vibrantly authentic life so you know here i am i mean like i have to go outside sometimes i just look up you know like okay here i am lord here i am i'm not gonna hide I'm just going to live my life. This is what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. And honestly, I've had more joy. I kind of am surprising myself at this stage because you'd think I'd be crawled up in a fetal position, which I kind of was in some parts of my book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I would, you know, be down and depressed. But you know what? Our life is so valuable. That's why our, our wonderful, legendary coach, Les Brown, has been so helpful, hasn't he? For now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, really, I'm yes. getting some life-giving truth there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Judy, I want to talk to you about something that actually, um, it's, a, it's a challenge. And up to the moment, it's a challenge for me. And it's the fact of being vulnerable. Because when you are being vulnerable, first of all, you got to be super strong, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to allow people to see you in how you really are. And also, uh, my my fear always, I think, the the voice, the committee, as we call it, yes. uh, that if I open up and if I am being vulnerable with people around me, they may see me as weak. Right. So and, and it's the opposite. Right. When you are vulnerable, you have to be really strong. That is so true. However, so this this fear, right, of people and my fear, actually, and I, I and I'm being vulnerable right now. Right. And letting you guys know. <laughs> We're breaking through. <laughs> um, but it's a real thing. Right. When people yeah. rather close off and and have these alter image perhaps that they present out, out into the world because they they cannot allow themselves to maybe look weak 
or open up and share their wounds, their story, their the reality of who they are and how they they feel and how they think into the world. So how do you break through that? And how how do you perhaps work with someone to work through those fears, those barriers, and allow themselves to open up? That's a really good question. And it's it's not always wise to open up to anybody. And mm-hmm. when you are in a stage of of you know of weakness or of you know that 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 you just really need to only make sure you're with trusted people that can give you feedback right and and who can affirm your dignity and your love and your worthiness okay so when you get really grounded in that then you know what it it you are so grounded it so that if anybody it it does make you strong. I and how okay. So to go back to your question, how do you help somebody with this? Well, it's interesting that you asked Fernanda because I just worked with someone who, um, yes, I, without giving a whole lot of details, is kind of like coming across strong. That's how he always grew up. That's what the role models were. That's what the role models were in the fifties. And you watch these John Wayne movies and, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of deeply ingrained, you know, uh, to, and I think especially for men, I'm not going to pick on men, but, uh, but it is for men, I think to, to realize that their only emotion that they're comfortable with is irritability and anger. Well, there's a problem with that. (laughs) We've got to get comfortable with all of our emotions because all of our emotions are basically temporary messengers to our souls. So anyway, I was helping this one individual to, you know what? Your wife's not going to hear 75% of what you're saying because what she wants is to feel felt by you. She wants to feel felt. And that is a core human need that all of us mm-hmm. have. So when we feel felt by our loved one, we've got to be familiar with that feeling in, in the first place, don't we? Mm-hmm. We've got to be able to feel and, and let those tears come when instead of letting them, you know, it's just not good for your health overall, is it, Fernanda? Right. I know that you all know this, Dr. Linda, too. Like your emotions and your health and your well-being is all integrated. Mm-hmm. And so if you are bottling up emotions, it is making you more vulnerable to diseases. And we want to be vulnerable within ourselves and with those whom we trust, right? And not everybody's ready to share their story publicly or write a book and get it published. Although after I wrote my book, because most therapists who write books, they write about the intense and dramatic stories of their clients instead of themselves. (laughs) But I came away from that project saying, every therapist needs to write their memoir, (laughs) write their stories because it was so it was so good for my soul and it helped me to be more aware and be a more effective human being counselor overall. That's beautiful. Now, do you find that it's more with women than with men? I was, as I was prepping for today and and going through some of your information, I mean, Michelle Obama, Jennifer Lopez, Maya Angelou. I mean, those are some pretty prominent women that, they sometimes don't, they feel like they're, um, they have imposter syndrome. And is it more women because of the, you know, it's men that have always been the successors of, I mean, even Einstein. It's like, if they really knew, 
I mean, someone as intelligent as him. And, you know, is it more that we see this? It's, is it different the way you see it in men and in women? Is there some commonalities? Like maybe it's the high achievers. Like we have to prove, it's almost like we have to prove something to everyone else. So it's more maybe uh, uh, the inner critic in us. So can you kind of um, expand on that? You know how different it is with men and women. Is it more like the women that are like the go-getters, the type A? But I mean, it is pretty common among, um, like I said, 70% of the population. But do you see, you know, some characteristics with that's higher in this type of um, individual? You know, that's an awesome and a wonderful question, Linda. And mm -hmm. I, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I simply don't know the answer to that. And I think culture, I think, you know, how we, it makes a difference and, you know, situation. So I honestly have not gone through the, uh, through as much, um, what do you call it? The, the research on it. Uh, and I should have done more studying, I suppose. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think it is with more women, Dr. Linda and, and Fernanda, than it is men, given given the roles, given the roles? I, I think it is more with women, for one, hormonally, you know, with the estrogen, how that really dictates a lot of our moods. It does impact it. And if you don't know how to, you know, when you learn to manage your emotions and who you really are, um, you can live an amazing life, but a lot of times, you know, I think a hormonal issue is can be part of it. And second, it's just it's been like since time, the the man has always been, you know, even from a biblical perspective, like he's head of household. You know, it's always it's God, it's man, and it's wife. So mm -hmm. it's almost like a pecking order. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I kind of think, well, maybe it's that's why women feel like they have to try harder. They have to work harder because of that pecking order that that we view as if people um, in in any religion, whether it's um, it doesn't really matter which whether you're a Christian, whether you're um, a Baptist, whether you're a Jehovah Witness, you know, a Mormon, whatever. Um, I think there's always that pecking order of the man is head of household, and so. You know, it just by default, we women kind of feel like we have to just level up a little bit more, go a little harder, go a little harder. And we even see that in the pay scale. That's true. Mm -hmm. That is so very true. You're hitting on on a lot of factors. Yes, that I mm -hmm. believe would definitely be valid when it comes to imposter syndrome, for sure. Mm -hmm. Having to overcompensate. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they'll I, agree. Roles. I, I, I agree that. It's it's most likely um, also related to how you grew up, what kind of beliefs were ingrained in you when you were a child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you grow up in a household where women are more submissive, then of course, when you grow up, if you become successful, if you are uh, out there and just you know overcoming all these things, then uh, you are going to probably have those subconscious beliefs because the subconscious beliefs are ingrained in us when we're young. Mm -hmm. By the age of six, we already have all of those beliefs in our subconscious mind. So if we grow up hearing and listening and observing that women are supposed to be less, that we, women are supposed to uh, not accomplish as much, that women are supposed to stay home with the kids, et cetera, et cetera, and you grow up thinking, you know what, I, I do want to go out there and I do want to get a, a 
corporate job and I want to become the owner of the company or whatever it is, you you still have those subconscious beliefs mm -hmm. to deal with. Also age, uh, I think, and I can speak on that for, you know, for myself, actually, when I was, when I graduated nursing, I was 19, 20 years old. Um, and an age for me had a factor, right? Because patients would look at me and they were like, is it bring your daughter to work day? And they would make comments <laughs> to me, right? And I, and I look younger also than what I am. So I would feel like maybe I'm, I'm, I shouldn't be here. Mm. I don't look old enough to be doing the job. Right. They would request an older, quote unquote, older nurse. And sometimes I would get an older nurse in age that had less years of experience than me <laughs> because they yeah. wanted someone who looked older simply. Right. So I think it's more about society beliefs mm -hmm. and the beliefs that you grow up with. What mm -hmm. do you hear when you're younger? So it's more about that. However, I do believe that those beliefs are more common in women than they are in men. Mm -hmm. Men are usually they, they grow up thinking and hearing that, you know, men are powerful and men are successful and men can accomplish and men should do it and men should provide and you should go and like you can do whatever you want and all these things where women, not everybody, of course, depending on the household, but a lot of women and a lot of ethnicities do grow up with a different belief. I, yeah, that's really a good, that's great, great point for sure, Fernanda. Here's what I was thinking, actually, as we were talking about imposter syndrome, it is a feeling, it is a state of mind. And I'm wondering if, like, for me, I see it as, okay, it's going to come in your life, but really that is a, an invitation to grow grow beyond it. It's kind of like this fear that shows up, right? This fear, like Susan Jeffers has a book, feel feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So actually an invitation for growing to another level of being or another level of authenticity. By the way, I think of like our authentic life. I don't think we ever like arrive, but we're on this journey toward it, right? And mm -hmm. so when we bust through that fear that comes with with the, the imposter syndrome, it's not just to live with that imposter syndrome. It is to, uh, to kind of like ride the, the surf or something. Like if the waves are coming, you know, you want to learn how to, and then you get good at it. So you could probably both identify to that, right? Mm -hmm. Where you've gained some confidences in areas that you previously had some imposter syndrome around, right? Mm -hmm. Am I right about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you put on when you're a little kid and you get new Easter clothes, let's say, or, or new clothes and they don't quite fit. They're like a little too big. They don't quite fit. Well, that might be what kind of imposter syndrome is. But then we grow into them and they feel really comfortable and then we grow out of them and then we go to another level of mm -hmm. comfortable clothes. So I think it's a journey. I think we need to look at it as, as such. So I mean, now that different stages too in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So you may feel perfectly okay and confident in so many different areas, and then you get into a different stage in your life, and it comes again, right? So it can it can it can come in different stages, and it can come in different situations too. Absolutely. So now that we've talked about a lot of what that is, which. I don't even want to focus on that. I want to focus on the good stuff. That's just kind of to kind of lay the spread now. And it's like, all right, what can we do now to overcome that? And, and we're going to go through phases in our life at different levels. We're going to feel it. 
whether it's, you know, we're, we're gaining a new, um, you know, we're, we're trying to master something and we're not quite there yet. We're out teaching on it or speaking on it. And we're not quite there because we know there's so much more out there that I, that I need to learn. And I know that there's other professionals out there that know way better than I do with this topic that I'm just learning. So we are going to be going through phases in our life. So what are some strategies? What are like some, you know, give us like a one, two, three, like maybe some three, three hacks, strategies um, that we can start implementing so that we can overcome that because we want to really focus on, continue to focus on our, you know, the present moment and how can we uh, really um, leverage that to make it a better future? Love the question because actually I address this in my book, but also it is so true. There's a really simple and profound formula that hundreds of my clients have used and it has the potential for getting you out of your mm. imposter syndrome and into your authentic life but it is so simple and the first one is the first strategy is is awareness mm. so if you were to just think of awareness yes. and awareness is like this lifelong journey in our lives and it like at this present moment right now, there's so much we are not aware of, but we can only we can always look back. We can say, you know, hey, when I was 20, I was thinking like that. Wow. I don't think like that anymore. At least it should be that way. Right. <laughs> Some of us grow and then we're still thinking like we're 20 if we're 65 or something. But no, we we grow in our awareness. I think for for us as women, especially if you're a mom. I think y'all are moms, but yeah. anyway, I'm a grandmother and, and like that really has opened up awareness big time. So awareness is first and just pay attention to that letter A. And then the second strategy is intentions, intentionality. Mm -hmm. And that's where you make plans. You take the time to pray, to meditate, to journal. And, and you don't just stay stuck in, in, because you, you have your aha moments, right? You have mm -hmm. to have to move forward and then the third uh the third strategy is risks like taking risks of growth mm. and pay attention to the letter r well as you notice that that actually spells air a-i-r mm -hmm. and you breathe in deep breath of air because when you do and you go all the way to the top of your lungs and then you slowly breathe out like you're breathing through a straw that's where we can get grounded in our present moment and that is so, so crucial because there's so many we can we can live day in and day out in our what we what i call the groundhog day you know mm -hmm. same day over and over again and our lives can be habits and then we're going to struggle with the same fears or the same insecurities or the same lack of confidence but we need to to slow down enough and then take risks of growth and honestly, I could, I mean, me writing the book was a risk for sure, but every one of us have gone through risks of growth. And I'm going to give you an example. When I was a little kid and I was a little kid and we went to the neighborhood pool and it was a community pool, right? You had to have a pass and, you know, think about smelling the chlorine. This is like a memory I have in the concession stand, but there were big kids going up the high dive. I could go off the low dive, but these big kids were having fun going off to high dive and I wanted to go off the high dive. So I start, you know, I go up there and I'm just scared to death and I'm shivering, <laughs> right? And then then all these kids are behind me going up the ladder and calling me scaredy cat, you know? And so I had no, I had this point of no return. I got on that high dive and, and it's like, you look over it, it's just scary. I mean, think of a little kid 
going off to high dive for the first time, you just think you're going to die. You do it, and then you have so much fun, right? <laughs> but you don't want to go backwards. You don't want to go backwards. So that's my formula. My strategy is breathing fresh air. If you're in a suffocating place, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your career, whether it's just like the walls are closing in on you, you need to take some deep breaths of air. Go outside. Just look up at the sky. Hang out with people who are taking some risks and who have grown. And anyway, that would be my strategy that I would encourage people. Wow. I love that. That is so powerful. Air, awareness, intention, just being intentional and, and risk. And when we take risks, isn't there a quote about, you know, it's, it's better to take a risk and fail and live life to the fullest than not taking risk and, and never knowing what your life would have been like. And I know Les Brown has a, a quote about there's about how many dreams, how many dreams or books are at a, um, a cemetery. Uh, a cemetery. There you go. Yeah. And um, so many people, they've died with their dreams inside of them because of the fear, which is, you know, the acronym of fear is, you know, is, you know, something that's not appearing real, you know? So false um, evidence. what's that? False evidence. Yes. False evidence appearing real. And, and a lot of it just really is in our heads. So you know, thank you so much for breaking that down because I think it's just with those little nuggets, the formulas, the strategies and hacks that people, they just need, okay, get, tell me a one, two, three. Sometimes <laughs> it is, but the awareness is so powerful. Just being aware of what you're speaking, how you're feeling, what you're seeing and who's around you. So that's powerful. And then when you put and when you surround yourself around other people that are aware, it's like, oh, my gosh, it just takes you to a, a different level. So I'm so grateful that we have you here bringing that awareness to us mm -hmm. to just remind us to stay on point, be aware, uh, live life with your eyes open, because that's really um, awareness. How we're living life, right, is when we are aware of what's going on and with our eyes open. Absolutely. So, so thank you so much for that. That was awesome. Uh, you're <laughs> I, think, I think another part of awareness that came to my mind as you were explaining it too is having that awareness of where did that belief come from? Why don't I believe that I can be successful? Why don't I believe that? Why do I feel this way? Where did that belief eradicate? Like, where did it begin? Where did I get it from? Because most of the time what we find is that the beliefs that we have right now came from really nothing. Something that somebody said when you were five years old, right? You're never going to amount to anything in life. And then literally you're 40 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old, and that belief still keeping you stuck, keeping you mm -hmm. uh, in your comfort zone and not allowing you to take those risks that you're talking about. So bringing that awareness of where that belief originated and breaking mm -hmm. down uh, that belief and seeing, okay, is this belief something true? Or is it something that I can let go in my life? So thank you so much, Judy. That it's Welcome. been so amazing. And to finalize, I would say maybe we can do a quote each. But before we do that, I do want you to let the audience know where can they find you? Where can how can they work with you? Yes. Where can they find your book too? 
Oh, yes. My book is available where books are sold and, and it's available uh, print, Kindle and also Audible version. If you did want an author signed copy, you can go to my website and contact me there. It's judycounselor.com, judycounselor.com. And you can also take a free relationship stress quiz. So you can kind of see how you're doing with your relationship, how much stress it's causing you. And um, so that's, yeah, that's how they can um, contact me. And I probably need to find a quote. Actually, my book is full of quotes. <laughs> First chapter of every one uh, every chapter has a quote. I saw that. <laughs> oh, you want me to start first? You can go ahead and start first, Judy. Okay. Goodness. Oh, goodness. 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 <laughs> and there's well, so many of them. I will. I will quote Thich Nhat Hanh. Awareness is like the sun. When it shines on things, they are transformed. Mm, that's beautiful and so true just like we we're talking about. Yeah. All right, I'll go next. My quote is from our mentor, Les Brown. And I love this quote because it's also so true and I can uh, always relate to this quote. It says, life has no limitations except for the ones you make. Mm -hmm. Powerful. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a powerful one, yeah. Well, are you familiar um, with Ralph Waldo Emerson? Love him. Yeah. Uh, one of his quotes, I mean, he has so many that I like. Um, it would be, I'm trying to, between him and Marcus Aurelius, is a man is what he thinks about all day long. Mm -hmm. And that's just more that our thoughts are powerful and, you know, our thoughts, but they become our words, which can become spells upon our life. So that's one of my favorite. I, I love and James Allen and, and Marcus Aurelius and Frank Crane, so many of them, because I have this book here that I bought years ago. It's just a book of quotes. Um, uh, it's been I've carried this around with me years. Every time I move, I always like, no, I need this book. I can't give that one away. So. <laughs> but thank you so much for being on here. Judy just fast me and just got so so many nuggets and, you know, just it's going to help a lot of people and sounds like your book as well. I'm excited about that and need to get that as well, because just your story is just that. Wow. And just for being so transparent and putting yourself out there, no matter what others think. Mm. And gosh, that's, that's living an authentic life. Well, Troy, thank you. And I tell you what, you two have made it very easy for me to show up today in this live podcast to be that way. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks. All right. And with that, we are going to end today's show. Uh, we have another guest next week. Wonderful guest. And in two weeks, actually, from today, we will have uh, Mr. Les Brown himself, the father of motivational speakers, <laughs> the number one world motivation motivational speaker in the world. So super excited about that. I'm um, jealous. That's <laughs> wonderful. I'm sorry. <laughs> just to say that. I'm definitely going to tune in. Yes. <laughs> of course. And then also, I do want to let the audience know, Judy and I are actually speaking this Saturday at a summit with Les Brown. Uh, and it's a women's only summit. So we are 
uh, showing up and showing our power with the world. And so if anybody is able to tune in and show some support, you can go to uh, Les Brown's Facebook page. It's going to be live. It starts, I believe, at 11 o'clock Eastern time. And Judy and I would love to see you all there. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. See y'all. Bye. Bye.